it's not a job. It's, this is my life and I think it's always been my life and I love it so, to the point where it, where it is it is a definition of, of, of me and my life and how I, how I, how I, I do everything really. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. For many chefs that start to build a career, there is a moment that they find their voice and it ignites something special from within them. For Anita Potter, it was moving to Thailand and her culinary world was turned on its head. Anita, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Huck. How are you? I'm good. You've had bit of a crazy um, landing back in Australia and you've taken the culinary scene by storm winning chef of the year and what's it felt like? A bit mad actually. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like a roller coaster. Uh, you know the, the good bits and, and the bad bits and the oh my god bits and uh, the kind of close your eyes and just hope you get through it bits. Um, no I mean <laughs> Slightly overwhelming, I think, is it's probably the best way of, 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 you know, describing it, I suppose. How different is the culinary landscape here to kind of what you remember sort of many moons ago? Uh, oh, God, I was, I was only a wee thing when, when I was a part of the, the industry back then when I was in Australia. I, um, yeah, very male-dominated, very kind of, you know, who's who – uh, I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't that experienced, and I wasn't that far into it or deep enough into it to, to have much of a much of a scope. I just kind of was just set on my own course, I think. Um, and yeah, I just I wanted I wanted more, uh, and so so you know, hence leaving to to find more. Not that I really knew what what that more was or what was on the other side of of that coin. Um, yeah. You've you've been back barely not even a year yet, and um, yeah, what's what's surprised you about um, you know opening a restaurant here, and um, what have you what have you loved so far? Uh, I don't know the fact that the fact that it's that it's on my terms, that it's uh, exactly what I want to do, whether or not that's that's the right or wrong thing. Uh, that uh, I mean, you know, the support coming home has been has been extraordinary. Uh, and you know the, the the award in itself was kind of like a you know lovely homecoming gift. Um, yeah, it. it uh, I mean, not, not only not only from the industry, but uh, the, the the customers who come in and, and are just so uh, receptive of what we're doing here, and, and kind of seems as if they have been wanting a, a, a change of pace and, and um, a point of difference, which we certainly offer um, here. I, I don't know. It's just it's just nice to be back, or well, nice to be in another place, uh, because you know I was never here in the, here really in the first place. So it's just another 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 story on my on my adventure list, I suppose. Tell us a little bit about that point of difference and the offering that you have there that that is so so unique. Um, I think it's it's what I remember a dining experience being when I was younger or even, you know, when I was, I was uh, going out for dinner overseas, that it wasn't just about good food. It was about the whole thing and, you know, kind of uh, experiencing something that I wasn't necessarily getting at home via cooking or, or what have you. And, uh, you know, just that 
all-encompassing hospitality. So brilliant food, lovely wines or cocktails that go with it, but atmosphere of, you know, sitting in a dining room and everyone is, you know, being looked after and there is always something to watch or, or, or you know, uh, something happening. Um, this rapport that you, that you used to get with staff, albeit, you know, kitchen or, or floor, uh, the time that they had to, to give, you know, real proper customer service and interact and, you know, you, you started to form a small relationship with them and should you have, you know, enjoyed that, you would come back and you would basically be greeted as, you know, a long-lost relative that they hadn't seen for a while and what have you been up to and that kind of thing. I, I, I missed that. I missed getting dressed up and going out for dinner as, as if it was an occasion rather than just slipping on, you know, crappy jeans and, and right, we're going out for dinner. It's like, do you want to make an effort? Um, do you know what I mean? I, I, I missed that, and that's what I—that's what I loved about I love uh, about going out for dinner because it was that thing of going out for dinner, so going out for a show or something like that. It was in my mind, it was the same thing, and you know, things have changed, and it's not just here that it's changed; it's it's changed all over the world, and and I I, I don't know if I'm the only person that that misses that experience. Um, and so having, having a platform to do, to do my own restaurant and create my own rules, um, it was what I kind of, it's the restaurant that I remember, not, not really all that I remember. There was no, no very open kitchens quite like this. Um, but just, I wanted, I wanted to, to eat like that again and I wanted to, to bring that back. So Thailand had such a profound impact on you and the direction that you took your food. Tell us about that period of time just before that and, and that transition and move there and sort of the impact it had on you. Um, well, I was cooking, I was cooking European food for, for, I mean, I started cooking European food. There wasn't that much, uh, Asian influence, uh, where I grew up in Perth, certainly back then. Um, and so I was, I was, I was a bit naive to, to, to that and everything else, and certainly Southeast Asian kind of food and culture and stuff like that. Um, I don't think I was really prepared for it to take me over as, as quickly as it did. It was uh, it was quite strong to the point where I kind of realised this is exactly what I want to do and this is exactly where I want to go. Um, and uh, it just it just felt it felt right and it felt normal and it felt like it was not forced and all of that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot to say about when you feel like that, that it is right, that it is, you know, kind of the right thing to do and, and the path to, to, to go down. Were there any moments or instances that you can recall, you can share of that impact that it had on you, whether it was um, a dish or a, a dining experience or a cultural experience? Um, I was, I was, I mean, every 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 day that I went out uh, early in in my time in Bangkok and was just eating such unknown food uh, to me, at, and just kind of like my brain was just going insane. It was you know kind of why is the fish cut in darns with you know I've got I'm, I'm sucking out the fluid from the spinal cord and you know I'm chomping around these bones which actually you know are cooked well enough for for you to actually eat them. In, in their entirety, uh, you know, there was there was why am I why am I eating dried squid that have been hanging out on a, basically a clothesline semi clothesline off the back of a bike with you know petrol fumes and stuff, but God, it tastes delicious. 
um, you know, just kind of, it, it was just so, it was such a flip of the coin, so foreign that I think every, there wasn't one particular moment that I was eating something that, that it kind of was just like, oh my gosh, it was every moment. Um, and also just the, the, the way, particularly, I mean, I can only speak more about ties because I've, I've had more interaction with them. The, the, the way that food is, is their culture. Um, and that, you know, everything is revolved around cooking or preparing it or, you know, who's coming and, and that kind of thing. And, and I mean, it is, it is their life, which I just, it, it, there was something about that that also resonated with me. What was it like learning um, Thai techniques and ingredients and, and the cuisine given the European background you had? Was it, was it challenging and is it a different way of looking at, at food? Obviously the food's quite different, but was there a different approach required? Yeah, I, I suppose so. And, you know, it's, it's very much hands-on, hand-done. Uh, there's not a lot of machinery involved uh, in Thai food. It's, you know, I suppose quite archaic in its, in its cuisine. Yeah, compared to compared to, to all the things that we're doing now. I mean, I suppose you could say that about all sorts of things. Italian food is quite archaic. Everything's, you, sh- you know, pasta should be handmade and hand-cut and all that kind of stuff. But it was why I, I, I wasn't seeing that from the Western food that I was, I was uh, cooking in those professional kitchens. Everything was uh, more about the speed and getting it done rather than, you know, let's get the best out of it. So, you know, like, for example, hand mincing pork belly, which takes forever, uh, down to, down to, a, a, you know, a, down to where it's supposed to be, whether or not it's supposed to be coarse because you want the texture from it or it's supposed to be fine, fine, fine because it needs to be cooked down with palm sugar and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not all about the pork but it's about the, the, hot, the end dish. Um, hand pounding, hand pounding pastes that you know you you kind of get halfway through and just just <laughs> wished you had several other arms to swap with, um, you know that that kind of thing and and you know realizing that if you did throw it into a into a food processor or a blender or or what have you, um, that they would just it would just taste flat or smell flat and you know the the concept of that even even with explaining it doesn't really kind of make sense unless you're doing it yourself and you're standing over the mortar and pestle and the fragrance that that each individual uh, ingredient gives off and then the, the end product, not only from a smell and a fragrant point of view but then a taste and a flavour point of view at the end is extraordinary. So, I, I remember talking to David Thompson once and he talked about the fact that there's not really recipes for dishes. Well, there's not really set amounts of ingredients there's there's the ingredients but it's all down the measurements are missing because you need to work it out as you're cooking is it is it something that you've discovered in thai cuisine as well yeah and and it's it's kind of uh you know it was it was his teachings he does have recipes and let me tell you they are pages long and in language that i'm not quite even sure he understands at some points uh and i remember him him teaching me how he was he, he would write his recipes so uh, just to segue for a minute I'll come back to to, to what you were talking about um, but you know he there, there was a moment I was like what is what is a whisper of gallangal powder mean or an insinuation of pepper I was like David you know 
I, you know, English is my first language, and you know, I'm lucky that I that I, I'm well read, so I, I get most of those wordings. However, you're writing these for Thai people whose their second languages, and you know, and yeah, he said to me that it was more it was more for his entertainment because he had to sit there for hours on end and write recipes that he knew people weren't going to weren't going to follow and or read. Uh, so it was more for for him. Um, yeah, he, yes, recipes at the end of the day are a guide and each, each person, each cook, each chef, you know, has, has, has a different, have a, first of all, has a different palate. So uh, I always tend to be quite salty. I'm, I'm not a sweet person. So, uh, you know, even though a recipe says 20 grams of palm sugar, it, you also have to look at the dish itself and, and if, uh, for example, I've got a, a, a relish of uh, aged pork belly on the menu at the moment. Um, it's from North uh, North Thailand in Chiang Mai, and it's marinated down with a whole lot of curry paste and a whole lot of dried spices, but also uh, tomatoes. Depending on the season and depending on the tomato and depending on everything, the tomatoes are sometimes sweeter or sour, uh, you know, more sour than 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 before. So you have to then adjust it. Um, according to your produce and stuff like that. So uh, I think that's where, you know, the idea of you have your ingredients, you need to know how to cook them and you need to know how they work together with them to then have a, have a, have an end product that, that still works. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's also the thing, Thai food tells you when to, when to add the next thing or what to, what to add the next thing and stuff like that. So, uh, and it's all by, by smell or taste and, you know, it's it's just understanding it, I suppose, which which takes a long time uh, to kind of get your head around because European cooking is certainly the complete opposite, uh, particularly when you start getting into pastries and bakery and stuff like that, where your recipe is on the money or it doesn't work. Mm. What sort of role does pork play within Thai cuisine? Were there were there dishes or techniques that you discovered as you were learning your craft there? Yeah, uh, pork is huge, um, but the whole pig, uh, many dishes are cooked with pork fat, uh, even dishes that doesn't actually have pork in it themselves. Uh, pork fat plays, it plays a, a, a huge part in, um, in Thai food. Uh, pork itself, I mean, there, there, there are pigs running rampant in, in Thailand. There aren't that many cows. Uh, and cows are used mainly for, for labour. Um, poultry also is, is, is a big thing. So pork and, 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 and pigs are, are, are the thing. Um, techniques of, of, of doing it, so, so hand mincing and braising it down for several hours before you, before you cook it. Uh, different ways of, of cooking uh, a curry with pork, whether or not you're boiling it uh, in a, uh, a curry that doesn't have any coconut milk in or, you know, you're crispy frying it beforehand and then it goes into something else or then, you know, you're fermenting it for days on end outside in the sun with, with uh, glutinous rice, which then turns into something completely different. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the sausages that most people know, the fermented sausages, you know, that's, that's – I, I had never seen something like that in, in Western cooking, you know, Mixed pork fat and pork, all kinds of different cuts of pork with a whole lot of sticky rice, uh, you know, salt and some seasonings and just leave it in the sun for days. <laughs> it's like, really? 
sure, we're not going to kill someone. Um, you know, and the, end, and the end product is this beautiful, slightly sour fermented pork that then is either grilled or, you know, put into a stir fry or uh, simmered down in a, lo- a, a coconut milk. Mm. You know, there's, the pork repertoire in Thai food is, is, is major. When you came back to Australia, did you make connections with pig farmers? And, you know, was the pork different that you were dealing with when you landed back here? Uh, I didn't, I don't, I haven't had the opportunity to speak to many pork farmers. I'm, I'm, I'm quite city-based. I've always been quite city-based. Um, reaching out to, to people I came across, I was given a, a, a contact for who now is basically my, my only supplier of, of pork and it's uh, Marcus down at uh, Whole Beast uh, Butchery. Um, and I would go in and I would talk to him and I still do now and, and say, right, listen, this is the dish I need to do, I want to do, let's, let's nut out, uh, you know, what, what pork cut would be best for, for that and stuff like that. And his, his knowledge of, of pork particularly is enormous. Um, and his porks come from, I don't even know if I, I pronounce this right, the Kanawindra. Um I don't even know where that is because my geography of Australia is so bad. Canounder, there you go. Yeah, that's okay. I, I pronounced it that way too the first time I drove through it. Don't, don't ask me how to, how to pronounce the beach in Sydney that starts with a C because everyone laughs at me. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, they're beautiful, beautiful Hampshire uh, cross pigs that are really well marbled and juicy and lovely and tender and the quality of them is, is, is beautiful. Uh, so he's my kind of pork point of call rather than rather than pig farmers and unfortunately I just haven't had time to leave the restaurant since it's begun or even before it began because we were basically in COVID and everything was locked down. So, uh, yeah. And you've been pretty busy since, let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it's a tiny little bit. Um, you, you mentioned um, discussing different pork cuts. Is there some c- cuts that you go to or really love cooking and can you tell us about the best techniques for them? Uh, pork neck, I love. Um, I think it's slightly forgotten. Everyone, everyone uh, kind of goes to jowls or, or cheeks. Um, and, you know, there is also, I mean, I don't know, with pork, there's also something that you've got to remember. So if you want to put jowls on your menu, it, there's only two jowls in one pig's head. So there's a lot of waste in that. And, you know, I think it's also being respectful to the animal. Uh, you know, so pork neck facilitates a whole lot of a whole lot of stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, jowls and, and uh, cheeks are, are divinely delicious. However, um, I don't know, neck I think could be one of my favourite. Pork belly, of course, because it's so versatile. Um, I I tend to use all the like so pork neck, pork belly, pork shoulder, uh, those big kind of cuts that have most fat, most marbling. Um, in it that you can you can quickly grill uh, pork neck, um, you know, marinate it down and then quickly quickly grill it um, to to uh, you know on, on an oven or, or a hibachi oven thing or, or, or a charcoal grill. Um, that so sometimes you don't really need to cook the hell out of it to get a better a better thing. I mean, pork belly you can crispy fry it or you know mince it down and cook it in a curry or a relish or something like that. Um, I don't know. Pork is. I think pork is one of those very versatile animals to play with. You mentioned a pork belly dish that's been on the menu recently. Is, is are there a couple of other pork dishes um, 
you know, over the last sort of eight months that you've had on the menu that you can tell us about that have been success- successful? Uh, I did. I did a. Um, I did a curry from from uh, from also north um, North Thailand, um, Hung Lai, which is uh, a boiled curry with uh, lots of curry paste and things like that. No coconut cream, so the pork itself is quite prominent. Uh, pickled garlic, slightly different to what people have probably. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a, a Hung Lai. Um, uh, recipe or, or, or dish on, on a menu anywhere here or outside of Thailand. Um, I funny we're talking about pork. I've got a I've got a I've, I've been brought out to do a pig, the festival of the pig on Thursday, oh, really? which is basically eight courses of pig. Wow. Uh, paired with eight courses of wine, and, and it's just going to be it's basically a festival of pig. So. Holy moly! That sounds like you need to wear some tracksuit pants that day. <laughs> <laughs> or certainly take some in your handbag so you can slip into them afterwards. Uh, yeah, so I'm doing uh, cured pork, like, like I was saying to you before, fermenting and curing the pork and simmering the, that down in um, in uh, coconut cream. I've put that dish on the menu before, but I didn't ferment the pork because I just didn't have time, whereas uh, I've, I've been able to, to get ahead of myself, strangely, to, um, to organise the, the fermenting of this pork. Um, what else are we doing? Uh, so, um, God, there's so much pork. <laughs> so I'm doing grilled, grilled, grilled pork neck uh, with, a, with a tamarind uh, chilli dressing and, and also just going to smoke some tomatoes uh, and pound them up with some fish sauce that goes really well with it. Uh, that I've put on... Um, the menu for our industry nights, which is just a little bit kind of uh, quicker, I suppose, um, and and just works with a whole raft of things, uh, and you know, it's usually on as a supplementary if anyone wants to add on to the the, the four course menu that we that we do on our Mondays. Tell us a little bit about that industry night that you do, and, and what happens. What have they been like? Oh my God, they're riots. <laughs> <laughs> It was this. It was this crazy idea of you know. What, there's nothing to do on Monday. Why don't we just open and see what happens? And from from the first one onwards, they have just gotten bigger, gotten more rowdy. I mean, people. The, the, so it's four course and uh, it's BYO wine. And so if you and I were coming in for dinner, we had the we've got the opportunity of bringing two bottles of wine in. Um. People have gone. People have kind of taken that and run it to somewhere I really didn't think was was ever going to happen. So they bring in their caravans uh, with you know a couple of different bottles and explain that um, you know they're only having a couple of glasses with these courses and then you know so I mean that's fine and then they always give me uh, a glass. Um, Every table pours a glass and puts it on my pass and says, Chef, you need to try this. You need to then try this. I had a group of eight people who, you know, so they had eight bottles of wine, extraordinary things that decided that because they were so extraordinary, they needed to bring their own glassware in, which was fine. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay. Uh, you know, it, it, there, there, are, there are moments where people bring magnums in. Uh, and, yes, it's technically a bottle, <laughs> but – like really, 
Um, no, it's fun. It's really fun. The only problem is that there are two sittings, one's at 6 and one's at 7.45 and the people who come at the early sitting at 6 o'clock really don't want to leave and I really don't want them to leave. However, I need to get them off the tables to then put the other people in. The music's louder. Uh, the, the the courses are smaller, so it's four courses and then there's a couple of supplementaries that people can or can take or, or, or not take. Um, they're fun. They're mental. They're absolutely mental and they're absolutely fun. Uh, we Our last one, we did over 60 people in our very small restaurant, which was just, again, another crazy riot. And then uh, I decided that I should, I should open February's, uh, which is already – basically three three quarters full um so, so it seems so it seems like it's kind of taken off um yeah no it's 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 brilliant but yeah i didn't quite think it was going to work quite so quickly i want to talk a little bit about your food and your approach to cookery you know with that european um background and foundation and then that discovery and exploration of Thailand, do you, do you lean back into the older techniques at times or do, is, is there a mixing of them at all as you create dishes? Um, yeah, of course. And, you know, when, when you're also faced with uh, a restaurant full of people and limited staff or staff who, who call up and they're sick, you, you really can't kind of – at some point things need to be expedited. So, you know, uh, the, the, all of the spices that we, that we uh, dry out and then hand pound just to get the, the freshness out of them, you know, they are then, you know, dried out, all that kind of stuff, but then we quickly whiz them in a, in a spice grinder, uh, which is fine. I mean, you know, I mean, the only person who's going to probably notice that is me or David. Um, and he's not here, so that's fine. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of expediting some things that, that you just, you just don't have time for. I try and do everything, uh, everything to like as true as I can, even though, you know, it kind of lets me kind of wake up at nine o'clock and I'm in the kitchen by 10 and, uh, you know, we don't actually open till 6.30 so I can kind of still do, still do all of that, uh, work, I suppose. I don't know. There are. There are some things, but I try and like hand mincing of everything. And I also don't have any equipment to, to, to – I don't have a mincer. I don't have any of that. So, uh, yeah, it's like I've built – I've made my bed uh, and that's this – is, this is just what's happened. You've mentioned David Thompson a couple of times, an absolute uh, legend and a, and a um, real larrikin as well. Do you, have, do you have any stories of the influence that he had on you? You spent quite a bit of time with him. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I have, and I still do. I mean, we, we still speak on the phone, you know, on a, on a weekly basis. Uh, I don't know. There's, 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 yeah, we're talking, we're talking stories over, over the better part of 12 years. Um, well, what, what is it about him that, um, and his approach to Thai cookery that, um, makes him so gifted? Uh, He's intelligent for one thing, you know, being able to, to not only teach himself Thai, Thai, Thai language but also the, the, the capacity to read it and then translate it. I mean, you know, the, the, the recipes and things that he has worked on from very, very old books, you know, as a Westerner, you don't have that within your grasp. But, you know, I think he, 
he, I think he approaches things, well, I think I approach things similar to how he approached things and just, you know, he, he wanted to learn this. This is what he was doing and that's what he did. Um, his, his, uh, he just, he doesn't have any, any, like he just, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, doesn't compromise with anything. And, you know, I suppose that some people think that that's sometimes a bad thing, but, you know, particularly with Thai food, it's, he wanted to show people, I, 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 this is from my side, um, you know, how, how brilliant the food was and, you know, all the different layers and the techniques and all that kind of stuff um, and, and was able to, to do it um, and obviously get all the accolades that, that he's so, so rightly deserved. Well, um, you're now receiving some pretty incredible accolades as well <laughs> and making quite an impact since coming back to Australia. What do you, what do you love about what you do? Uh, I don't know. It just it's it just feels right. This is this is it's not a job. It's this is my life, and I think you know uh, this is it's always been my life, and uh, you know it's it's I love it so, to the point where it where it is it is a definition of, of of me and my life and how I how I how I I do everything really. Um, I just I just want to cook at the end of the day. I'm just a cook, and you know it. it if, if I make people happy with my food or, you know, inspire people uh, to perhaps, you know, take the same path or, or, you know, just even to home cook, then, you know, my, my job is done. And also, you know, to just, to just give people uh, the experience of dining in a different kind of way, um, then, you know, that's, 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 kind of, that's kind of me happy. Well, I think um, I haven't had a chance to dine at your restaurant yet, but I think I need to come on Hospo night uh, by the <laughs> sound think, of things. It's, it's probably the best night to come. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, people swap wines with each tables and, you know, kind of walk past to go to the bathroom and then they realise that, that someone's drinking that. So then they double back to their table and grab their bottle and say, listen, I've just seen you're drinking, I don't know, whatever, da 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 I, Can I have a glass? And I'm, this is what I'm drinking, so would you like to have a glass? And so it's just this kind of lovely kind of, mingling sharing so it is it is one of the best nights to to come on i think well you've created such an amazing venue there and it's an absolute honor to have you on the crackling today to hear a little bit of your story um anita please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon i shall have a have a have a have a nice break if you're able to get one this is the crackling a deep in the weeds production in partnership with pork stars i'm anthony huckstep Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.